is today? Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Hello! Good day, governors! Quick fact that you may not know is, well, I'm sure you don't know. It's not a may not. You don't know. Um, but you know when you have your inner thoughts and you're talking to yourself, um, like, you know, you might be saying, all right, today I gotta do this, I gotta get this handled so that, you know, by, I can get home for lunch, eat real quick, come back, get this finished, all that kind of stuff. Well, for me, my inner thoughts, my inner monologues are often British. So there's your fun fact of the day. I don't know why it happens, but many times I'm talking to myself, I'm, I'm talking with a British accent. It's, it's, it's strange, but I do enjoy it. it keeps me, keeps my day a little brighter. Moving on. The Devo that I have today that we're going to talk about in this podcast uh, is about a show I just watched. Uh, I just watched the Netflix documentary. I finished it. Uh, Monster, the Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. It's gotten a lot of press lately, a lot of controversy as well. Uh, there's one bit of the movie I want to address from my devotional, which I think is very important. I even talked about it with the... Uh, with Jim a little bit ago, um, because somebody he some he, it was brought up to him. Somebody had a problem. A Christian had a problem with a thing that happened in that movie. So stick around because we're going to get to it, and it's going to be it's going to be good. It's something important that you need to hear. Before that, a few things that also struck me about this Netflix series. So number one, the the main guy who plays Jeffrey Dahmer, his name is Evan Peters. Uh, he nails the Wisconsin accent. Like, it is so spot on. Plus, the kind of guy that he was, you know, he was like an outsider, very reserved, a weird guy, you know. And, and here's the thing. I knew guys like that. And I didn't know guys that murdered people and ate them or whatever like that. But, like, that kind of outsider, weird individual, the, he nails the accent, the mannerisms, everything. Like, it was crazy. I'm like, I know that guy. Um, and secondly, the, as much as people are upset, upset about this, this, uh, docu-series or whatever, specifically the victim's family, which is very understandable. Like if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't like this happening either. And, and my heart goes out to them because I know I've read some interviews and some people said that they watched an episode or two and it's like, they're reliving the whole thing over again, which that, that was a horrible time in their life and a horrible thing that happened and. Um, that, that's not good. And I don't want any, they don't want anyone to be, they don't want their, the killer of their family member to be glorified and what he did and making him more of a celebrity. Um, but here's the thing that it did do, which if I was the, uh, family of the victims, I'd be happy about. And it, it shines a light on the police of Milwaukee and it is shocking. And so I was interested in watching this mainly because I grew up in the time that these murders were happening in 
the Midwest. I was, you know, a couple hours away from uh, Milwaukee, and I just remember the news constantly being about Dahmer, and I kept seeing the scenes of um, them going into the apartment building and pulling out stuff, and so I heard about all, and that was actually the first time I'd even like been introduced to what a serial killer was when I was, you know, in high school, because that's when he was arrested and all that stuff. But what I noticed about this is the news that I that was always on in Illinois when I was watching it, uh, they never really mentioned how awful a job the Milwaukee police did. I mean, spoiler alert, but there was two police officers that were called to pick up this 14-year-old boy who was naked and drugged out of his mind at Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment complex. Jeffrey brought him to his apartment, drugged him, stripped him, took photos of him, but then he left to go get some beer because Jeffrey was a raging alcoholic. And somehow the boy made it out of the apartment. He stumbled his way outside and down the street where a neighbor saw him, covered him up with a blanket and called the police because that's what you do. Police arrive. They don't really uh, want to deal with the situation. And then Dahmer arrives with beer in hand, telling the police, oh, that's, that's my 19-year-old boyfriend. And the police are like, well, do you have... Uh, like ID for him? Does he have any? And they're like, no. And pretty much they're just like, all right, well, here you go. They gave him back. And um, it was just, the police gave the boy back to the serial killer. And guess what? Dahmer kills him. 14-year-old boy. It's just, and that that's just one time that the police dropped the ball. There was so many times Dahmer was arrested or had police at his apartment, and it's shocking how inept the police were at that time. But, if I'm being honest, which I am, I'm not completely in shock because I too have had a run-in with the law in Milwaukee. It was probably five or six years ago, um, which this whole scenario, which I'm going to tell you about, was completely ridiculous and it showed me how inept the police are. So, let me just tell you what happened. It's gonna blow your mind, because it did mine. Okay, so I was in Milwaukee with a student. In my old church, we, I had a worship band. It was a student worship band. I, I helped lead the youth. And um, this uh, student who played guitar and drums for me, he wanted to buy a nice drums, drum kit. And I was working in the music business as well, so I had connections. And I found this amazing set that I could get super cheap because I was friends with the owner of the shop. So I said, we'll go up to Milwaukee because that's where it was. We'll get the drum set. We'll come back. We'll do it. So there we go. We go off to uh, Milwaukee. As we are in the city of Milwaukee, we're still on the highways. Uh, I was pulled over for speeding. Now I was going, I think, 65, 70 miles an hour. Um, on the interstate and uh, when he pulled me over I didn't even know what I was doing wrong I was like I mean I'm good I, I don't think I did anything wrong so he comes up and he had an attitude first but he said I was going 70 in a 45 and I argued but he was in no mood to listen because I was like what did I do wrong and he gave me a ticket for $145 so as he left, I was irritated. I'm like, 40, we're on an interstate. You can't tell me this is 45 miles an hour. And so I thought, if there was ever a time to fight a ticket in court, 
it was now. So I look at the court date and I schedule my next visit to Milwaukee so I could fight it in court. So I arrived the day earlier uh, than my court date just to do some investigating, take a look, take some pictures of speed limits in the area, you know, all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, I realized that the speed limit on the highway goes from 70, which I was going, to 55 in the Milwaukee area. Like it just goes down to 55 as soon as you get into the city limits. So I understood that I was in fact speeding, but there was also the place that I was pulled over like less than a quarter mile where two highways kind of intersected and that's where it goes down to 45 miles an hour. Uh, so I know that the police just sit there and just pick people off just to rack up speeding tickets on people, which still, which is annoying. Now I can't even tell you for sure or not if I was in that area cause I didn't get pulled over there. It was a little bit farther, but anyways, I realized I'm not going to get out of this ticket, but I felt I could ask for the ticket fine to be reduced as this is, is a real shady way for an officer to, you know, rack up the, the speeding tickets. So at court, I get there. Um, I even wore my anchor ministries shirt just to go be like, Hey, Hey judge, a little extra pizzazz here. I'm in ministry. Wink, wink. I'm a good guy. That type of thing. Didn't help by the way. But before I went into the, to the courtroom, I was like nervous. I'm like, man, I am fighting a losing battle because I was speeding, but you know, I was, so I saw a lawyer who was talking to somebody else. I ended up talking to him and I told him the situation and the guy says, dude, it's no problem. Just go up there, ask for a reduction of points or the fine, whatever you want. And I'm like points. Cause Illinois doesn't use points. And I'm like, you could take all the points. I don't care about the stupid points, whatever. Take them all. I don't care. Uh, but I just wanted a reduction in the fine. He goes, oh, that'll be no problem. They do that all the time. Sweet. Feeling good. Go into the courtroom. So leading up to my case, there were a number of interesting developments. By the way, so many people went up there with no insurance fines. Like they were pulled over they find out they didn't have insurance. They get a $500 fine. Uh, so what happens is they go up there and the judge says, uh, I see here you are charged with driving with no insurance. Yes, that's true, Judge. Do you have insurance now? They go, yes, I do. Let me see proof. They show them the proof, and then the judge goes, oh, and he eliminates the debt. The fine is gone. And I'm like, you know that they're just going to go cancel it tomorrow because that's what they do. The people who drive no insurance, they will go and get it. Oh, I got to go to court. Let me get some insurance real quick. And then the next day they go, cancel the insurance. And then they drive with no insurance again. You're not, do it's, it's a broken system. The court system's broken. So there's a bunch of those, numerous. I couldn't believe how many there were. Then there was a guy who came up who had a road rage incident where he was fighting on the highway. And he had like, I don't think it was like a hundred dollar fine. But as he went up there, he said, I'm like, he agreed he's fighting. He shouldn't have done that, whatever, all that stuff. But he, he said he couldn't pay the hundred dollars unless he went back to selling crack. And, and he was yelling, I was like, I gotta go sell some crack now, all this stuff. And the judge is like, hey, we can't have that. How about $5 a month until it's paid off? And the guy was like, okay. And I was like, you're, if you, this dude has only gotta pay $5 a month because he said he's gonna go smoke crack. What am I, what's going on here? The next guy up was a reckless driving, you know, like citation. So he was going 
100 miles an hour in a 35 within the city. He's not even on an interstate. He's on like a side roads like that. And he had a fine of like $400. And what he did is he went up there and he asked for a reduction in the fine. And the judge, without any hesitation, he goes, all right, uh, I'll reduce the fine to $100. And then he gave them $20 a month payments. And I was like, well, if all this is happening, I am home free. I think I'm going to get a reduction. This is going to be good. So I go up there. It's my turn. Feeling good. Uh, I saw all these other people at least get their fines reduced. Uh, but I didn't realize at that time that the Milwaukee court system was corrupt. So as I was called up, the charges were read to me or going 70 in a 45 here in Milwaukee. And then so I, so I said, hey, uh, you know what? Yesterday I showed up early. I wanted to go take a look at where I was speeding and take some photos of all that. And you know what? I realized that the speed limit goes from 70 to 55. And before I could even finish, the, ju the judge was like, yeah, I know. All you Chicagoans and you people from Illinois, you just think you can drive 70 all over the place. And I was like, hold up. Like I was like deer in headlights. Like, why are you getting mad at me, right? And so anyways, I apologized and I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I definitely did speed. I know from now on when I come to Milwaukee, because I come here every month uh, to do business, that I am going to go the speed limit and all that stuff. I didn't even get to the part where I said, but pretty shady that the cop got me in that one tiny little area that's 45. I don't even know if that was even true. I didn't even get to all this because I was like, He's already heated. He's mad at me for no reason whatsoever. So I'm not even going to do that. Um, so I apologize. Like I said, I said, I'll be better next time. And I said, but I want to ask, can you please reduce my fine? And the judge quickly says, no, no, no. I said, no. Why? He goes, you know, you owe $145. So now I'm annoyed. And I said, but you reduced the fine of the guy going 100 miles an hour and a 35, you reduced it from 400 to 300. And he was on the streets. He could have actually ran someone over and killed them. I was on a highway going the speed that is normal everywhere else in the country. And he just looks at me blankly like he doesn't care. And then I say, what about the guy fighting on the street, the road ranger who is fighting? $5 a month, you reduced it. And he, and he said he's going to have to smell it. Maybe I should go sell some crack. Maybe that's what I should do. Again, he's just like, so the judge says, are you done? I said, no, I'm not. You know what else I learned today here in court? I've been wasting my money paying for car insurance because apparently I, nobody needs it anymore. You could just get a ticket, go buy some and cancel it tomorrow. You guys are idiots if you think you're gonna, these people are keeping the insurance. They're canceling it and they're driving again with no insurance, but you guys don't care. Oh, no, we're gonna get eliminate the fine. And I just went on and on about that. So. I ended up kind of like saying, apparently nothing matters. And I guess I'll just pay the $145. You know, I was like, whatever, you guys suck. And I'm going to pay the $100. And he said, oh no, that ship has sailed. Your fine is now $240. I was like, for what? Because it is now. I said, wow, I hope a big sinkhole opens up and this swallows this whole city. And, uh, and he said, any more outbursts like that would lead to me being held in contempt of court, being arrested. So whatever, I, I left, but I did say as I was leaving, I'm like, I'm gonna go pay this fine and I'll be able to sleep tonight 
but I doubt you will because you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. And I left, and as I was walking down the hall, the lawyer who I'd talked to early, earlier, he came out and he stopped me and he's like, he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry that I told you just ask for a reduction because I didn't realize you were from Illinois. Had he known, he would have told me I was just going to have to pay the fine. And um, uh, because they don't like people, there's no love for people in Illinois there. We're called fibs in Wisconsin. And I'm not going to share what fibs means, but it's nasty. It's not good. And they are rude. Now, want to hear the icing on the cake? When I got to the car to leave, I had a ticket on my car for an expired registration sticker. Here's the thing. I look at my sticker. It is not expired. I take a picture of it. This was like within an hour, right? I take a picture of my license with the ticket in front of me. So like you could see all that. Um, and I'm, I'm like, what am I, how, how is this possible? It's so I, the picture showed that it was false. So I went to the office where you pay your tickets for like parking tickets, registration, all that. Talked to the clerk that was there and I showed her the picture on my phone. Look at, here's the ticket. You know, like it's, it's good. And um, she's like, well, you're going to need to mail that picture into the circuit clerk or whatever. I said, but I have proof right now, right here in this moment. But in order to, but if I mail it, first of all, I don't know if it's going to get there, but then I have to come back to court in another month. She didn't care. So I was like, okay, can I email it to you right now? Or can I email it to wherever the circuit court? No, we don't have an email address. I'm like, no email address. We are in like 2015, 16, something like that. And you're telling me you don't have an email address. She didn't want to hear anything. They just don't care. They don't care. Milwaukee police court garbage. So frustrating. I hate Milwaukee. I ended up, I did end up getting that fine removed, but for the registration, but the whole, there was so much work I had to do, email, uh, mailing back and forth, waiting for court dates. And here's the thing. Most people don't want to go through it. So they'll just pay the $30, but I'm not going to, I'm, I refuse. It is a principal issue now and I will not pay it. Not me, not this guy. Speak of, speaking of paying money, I have some really big news though. We're gonna get back to the Dahmer and the devotional thing, just stick with me here. But if you're a long time uh, listener, subscriber, whatever it is to this devotional podcast, you may know I used to go to the gym at O2 Fitness. I loved it, getting good shape, healthy, feeling good, all that. Uh, but then they abruptly closed. And I, I had paid two years in advance and I had like a year and a half left on it. And I was owed money. So when they told me they were closing, they sent out forms that I filled out and I was told I was going to get a refund. Now on previous podcasts, I had gone and ranted and raved about how I still haven't got that money back. And it's been months and months and months. I sent emails. I have been calling people. I've been talking. It's been ridiculous. And all the people around here are like, we're never getting our money back. And, and they're like, why are you fighting it? You're never... It's done. Just write it off. You're never getting the money back. I'm like, I'm getting the money back. I promise you. And so the last couple times that I, I've threatened legal action, I said, I don't care if it costs me twice as much of what I'm going to get back. If it helps the other people get their money back that you've railroaded, railroaded, I'm in for it. It's, again, a principal issue. Well, guess what I got in the mail the other day? My refund. Oh, 
and pop it up right. I took a picture of it. So proud of it right there. Mm. Chalk one up for the good guys. Okay. So that had nothing to do with uh, Milwaukee or the Dahmer Netflix series. So let's get back to the topic at hand. Two more things I want to address about the Dahmer series is this. I thought the makers did a good job of making it so Jeffrey Dahmer was not glorified, justified, or made more of a celebrity. I mean, I, I guess he there's more interest in it now, so that could lead to people liking him, but I don't know. The filmmakers made it clear that the guy was awful, did horrible things, and is not someone to be looked up to. There was this Ted Bundy movie a couple of years ago that kind of glorified him a lot, which was... I thought was wrong to do so. These filmmakers did a good job of depicting him as the monster that he was, which I thought was good. Now, the part I want to really talk about, get into for the devotional part. In the final episode, um, Jeffrey had been arrested. He's in prison and he's been in there a little while. He's doing some work duty where he's cleaning the cafeteria and mopping up. As he's doing it, there's a TV on and they're playing an interview with John Wayne Gacy, who is scheduled to be executed in the coming days. So this all kind of happened around the same time. If you don't know about John Wayne Gacy, he killed a bunch of people, put him in their basement. He was a bad guy. Um, but he was also, he also painted a lot in prison and he would sell his paintings and it was kind of controversial there. But in this last interview, he was holding up a painting that he did of Jesus Christ. And um, they were asking him about it and about if he was worried about the execution that's coming in a few days. And he said, uh, I'm not worried about it because I know where I'm going to go because I have accepted Jesus as my Savior. So Jeffrey hears this, and it kind of piqued his interest. Um, so eventually he asks to speak to the prison chaplain about Jesus, and he's asking all sorts of questions about Jesus, about this and that. And the chaplain's like, what are you, what are you getting at here? And, and Jeffrey Dahmer is like, well... I know that John Wayne Gacy has never admitted. He, he's always said that he didn't kill these people and he's always denied everything. He goes, but I have always admitted to what I did and I know that it was wrong and all this stuff. He goes, um, but I was just wondering if, if John Wayne Gacy can be forgiven, do you think I could be forgiven? Of all the things I've done, do you, do you think that it would be possible for me to be forgiven? So the chaplain talks about Jesus on the cross with the two criminals. And we don't know what the criminals have done, but what we do know is they deserve to be there. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, one of the criminals starts mocking Jesus. So we'll read in Luke 23, 39 through 43, it says, Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, the chaplain in the prison that's talking to Jeffrey Dahmer says, we know the criminals are there for a reason, but we don't know what they did. For all we know, they could be murderers. They, they could have done the same things Jeffrey Dahmer did. Maybe worse, we don't know. But what we do know is the criminal who believes is forgiven and will be in paradise with Jesus. He then says to Jeffrey Dahmer then, looking at him, he goes, yes, I believe you too can be 
forgiven. Later on, Jeffrey Dahmer is baptized, and when he comes up from the water, the chaplain says, you have been forgiven. You have been saved. I just remember hearing that. You've been saved to this serial killer who's killed 17 people and dismembered them and ate their, you know, that. And, and this is what really spoke to me and prompted me to want to talk about this because in the Netflix series, a prisoner who, the guy who eventually kills Jeffrey Dahmer by beating him to death, can't accept the fact that Jesus would save this monster because the guy, that other prisoner, he was also a believer and he had changed, he changed his life in prison and he just can't accept that this, this killer who did all these awful things would also be saved and be with him in heaven. And I think a lot of people have that same problem with someone like Jeffrey Dahmer being saved. And I was just talking to, to Jim Prowse and he was saying that there was this woman who was saying like, she, she's a devout Christian. She's like, I just can't wrap my mind around that being okay, that he's going to be in heaven, like the things that he did. But it is true because it's called, it. that's what's so great about our Savior is that he gives us that grace. It's actually called, a lot of people call it the scandal of grace. You see, the salvation of the criminal on the cross gives hope to every sinner. Notice I said every sinner, even the worst of the worst. Someone guilty of atrocities, violent crimes, murder, cannibalism, can receive God's grace. Many Christians find it hard to believe, hard to rationalize, that someone as evil as Jeffrey Dahmer could receive eternal life because in many minds, a bad, evil, murderous monster like him should be punished eternally. No free passes. You saw what he did. You heard from his own mouth what he did with seemingly no remorse. How can that be fair? So I ask you, do you think it's fair? So here's something to think about. Scripture says there's no good people, that we have all sinned. We've all turned away. The message of the gospel is that sin which leads us away from God is far worse than anything we can imagine. But on the flip side, grace, which is the solution to sin, is far better than we ever deserve. If we come to believe in God, if we repent of our sins, whatever they may be, or no matter what offenses we have performed in the past, we gain access to God through Christ. And hell is full of people who believe they deserve to be in heaven, and heaven is full of people who know they deserve hell. The cross gives anyone who believes access to God through repentance and faith. It isn't the magnitude of the crimes, but the magnitude of God's grace that matters for salvation. If we go back to scripture and read what happened after Jesus died on the cross, we read this. So in Luke 23, 44-46, it says, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three. Because the sun's light failed, the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. So the significance in the scripture that I want to point out 
is this the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle it was completely torn the curtain was placed in the sanctuary as a way to separate god from his people it was called that room that the that the curtain was separating was called the holiest of holies and only certain people could enter that room once a year and if you weren't supposed to be in there and you entered that room you would die but when Jesus died, that curtain was ripped, indicating that the barrier between God and his people was no longer there. Jesus had taken all of our sin, what we just talked about being so terrible, and we were given God's grace. So what's interesting regard, regarding this topic of someone like Jeffrey Dahmer receiving forgiveness is when that curtain was ripped, it was completely torn, not just a little rip, or some or a hole or something like that for some sin or some sinners would be forgiven or only certain sins or certain sinners would be forgiven it was completely torn that every sin every sinner regardless of what they did would gain access to God Charles Spurgeon put it this way there is an entrance made for the greatest sinners if there had only been a small hole cut through it the lesser offenders might have crept through but what an act of abounding mercy is this, that the veil is ripped in the midst from top to bottom so that the chief of sinners may find ample passage. After, after reading that and knowing about that, it still may be hard to wrap your head around someone evil receiving God's grace. And I, and I get it. it. It can be hard. But at the same time, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a whole lot of the Bible, had a pretty sinful past. You know, Paul, known at the time before he came to faith, he was Saul, he persecuted Christians. Now, the translation of the word persecution could mean a few different things. One translation says murder. We know he had a hand in stoning Joseph, uh, Stephen in, in Acts 7. He wasn't the one that was actually stoning Stephen, but he was a part of it right before Jesus appeared to him. That leads me leads me to believe that he had done more than that one stoning. He had blood on his hands, for sure. We don't even know what happened before that. We don't know the links or the, what he had done in the persecution of Christians. He could have murdered lots of people. Maybe he didn't. But we know he was involved in at least one stoning. So one of the main writers of the Bible we could consider a murderous individual. Yet, he was forgiven. And we actually look to Paul as someone to strive to be like because he did so many great things in Jesus' name. But not a lot of people look at it like that. You know, today, so many people believe that um, if, you, if I'm good, if I do good things, um, if I... Uh, if I'm generous and, and, I, and I just live a good life, I should go to heaven. Um, and, I mean, if there's a heaven at all, if they believe that. But they just think that being good should get you wherever you want to go. Um, and I know some very nice people who are very generous, hospitable, uh, great people that don't believe in Jesus. And if they don't accept Jesus... I can't say they're going to heaven, no matter how good they do or how, how generous they are. 
So could it be possible that Jeffrey Dahmer, one of the most evil men to ever live, has been granted eternal life and that some sweet old lady who never believed in Jesus will face judgment? The answer is yes. And that's what we have to accept as hard as that may be. But I am glad that God's grace exists for all sinners because that means there is hope for everyone, including me or that anybody else that I care about, that they can get there regardless of what they do. And there's always time to turn it around. So that's what I have today for you. If you find this uh, to be a good devotional, something that you think should be shared, I encourage you to do that. Please send it. Um, if you're uh, listening on the podcast, copy that link, send it to a friend, something like that. And I just pray that we get the, the word of Jesus out there. So you guys have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.